You're listening to Integrating Sacred Wisdom Podcast. I call on the guardian of the East, Raphael, element of air, come and be welcomed. Call upon the guardian of the South, Michael, element of fire, come and be welcomed. I call on the guardian of the West, Gabriel, element of water, come and be welcomed. I call on the guardian of the north, Uriel, element of earth, come and be welcome. And we are your hosts. I'm Kelly Hauk, founder of Sacred Arts Sanctuary in West Sedona and also Heart Space Retreats. And I am Priscilla Hadway, founder of Sacred Remembering Sound Healing in Sedona, Arizona and ascensionprovisions.com. I'm Matthew David Cummings with Above So Curio and Purify by Fire. And I'm Anna Marstanovich with Heart Space Retreats in Sedona and also High Desert Healing Massage and Bodywork. Hello everyone and welcome back to today's episode where we will be discussing spiritual relationships. Spiritual relationships are meant to help you evolve and grow from the lessons you learn through each encounter. Today we'll be discussing three main types of spiritual relationships, karmic, soulmate, and twin flame relationships. To clarify, a spiritual relationship is a physical person in your life, but the focus is on your spiritual connection and how both your souls interact. So yeah, with karmic relationships, a lot of people confuse um, karmic soulmate and twin flame relationships. And so I just wanted to kind of discuss this a little bit because I have a lot of clients that get confused with this because a lot of times people will confuse a karmic relationship with a soulmate and confuse a soulmate with a twin flame. And so karmic relationships are primarily for people learning like self-growth and things like that. These are usually like toxic relationships and they tend to be ones that shift your perspective of the world and how you view others, how you view yourself. It's very much a shadow type of connection with that person. So you can often think of this as like people that you've had connections with where the relationship was really toxic and it doesn't necessarily have to be a intimate relationship with someone it can be also a relationship um, with like a friend or a family member so those are often karmic type of relationships soulmates on the other hand those are people that are teaching you your self-love and self-worth these are usually people that are very positive in your life and again soulmates don't necessarily have to be romantic they can be a friend they could be a family member a teacher anybody and they're just helping you come back into alignment with who you are and remembering who you are and help uplift you and help you evolve spiritually. Twin flames are um, two souls that have been split, or one soul that has been split into two different bodies. And so they're experiencing multiple realities at one time. Um, Sometimes twin flames can actually be multiple twin flames, and so there could be sometimes three or four people that are the same soul that is split into different bodies. So it's ultimately you in a different body. 
and they aren't always um, relationships that are romantic. In fact, a lot of people will find twin flame bonds to be very triggering for them because it's you're literally dating yourself at that point. So all of your insecurities, all of your imbalances, all of your karmic things are going to be on similar levels. You won't have exactly the same things, but you will have very similar things and they'll serve as a mirror to you. And so everything that's happening to you is also happening to them. And you're always going to have your shadow reflected back to you from your twin flame. And so for people who aren't ready for that and haven't done a lot of work, that could be a very triggering and almost traumatizing experience for a lot of people who are in twin flame relationships and it can be very emotionally charged. And so um, your parent could be a twin flame. Um, you don't always incarnate on the same timeline. They can be friends. They could be a sibling. It could be many different types of people. They don't necessarily have to be someone of the opposite gender. They could be the same gender. And so a lot of times people are confusing um, soulmate connections with twin flames, which ultimately it's you're more so dating your mirror as opposed to someone that is um, there to help uplift you and you have a karmic agreement to help each other evolve and grow. That doesn't necessarily mean that some twin flames might have that soul contract of being soulmates in addition to twin flames where you are helping yourself spiritually evolve. But usually the whole point of a twin flame being in a different body is so that you are getting like almost in the sense double the work at the same time. Like usually people that have twin flames have like a very strong purpose in life and there's a lot of spiritual work that they're doing so they often split into several different bodies to help amplify whatever it is they're trying to do. I think it's also one of the ones that gets um, abused the most especially lately with the the current trends being uh, kind of twin flames being popular uh, right now in, in spiritual circles. Uh, and I think a lot of the, the, the spiritual, um, the ego spiritualists um, use this as kind of an excuse um, to manipulate others spiritually. Uh, I've heard time and time again, um, you know, people who are running those circles who are already probably, you know, taking advantage of the spiritual setting in order to uh, get some sort of either monetary gain or um, relationship gain or, or you know, um, you know, taking clients or even, you know, uh, for sexual reasons, uh, using uh, twin flames and kind of uh, forcing that upon their intended victim and since you know it's not like a soulmate connection um, that you would naturally feel some sort of you know higher um, connection to so I think it's easier for for people especially since it's so popular right now to to say like oh you know like oh we must be twin flames and and um, I think people get taken advantage of uh, pretty easily, um, and it's because it's so highly misunderstood. Uh, I mean, if you ask ten people uh, what twin flame actually means, uh, probably like eight out of ten of them are going to tell you that it's some sort of um, passionate 
physical attraction. And while that may be true, it's also uh, one of the most volatile attractions uh, because uh, of the similarities, like like Kelly was saying, with uh, the the karmic relations and um, how we experience the world and energy and our life paths. Um, so the twin flames that I've heard of uh, that do end up being um, in a romantic relationship often uh, have it end very, very badly. And uh, not that they would change anything um, because the connection there was real, but uh, it becomes very, very intense. It burns very, very hot and very fast. So. Um, I've yet to hear of real successful twin flame relationships lasting, you know, the test of time. Um, so I think there's a big misconception out there that it's romantic. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I never, I, you just don't normally think of, um, like Kelly said, uh, the soulmates don't necessarily have to be romantic either. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't think anybody's first initial reaction to hearing soulmate, um, you would think of someone like maybe another member of your family or um, your your best friend or something that you've had, you know, your whole life or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. What are you guys' thoughts? I think that in. I think that all possibilities are there because we live in a dualistic reality, right? So I'm sure yeah. that there are there have to be some some twin flame situations where they do have a shared mission. They can mirror each other in a complementary way and and move through life in some disgustingly fantastic, you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, but I like mean, unicorn, that, you know, like is that like relationship wise? I, mean, I would think yeah. there has to be some uh, possibility true. for both. True. You know, regardless of like what we've heard or experienced ourselves. I think there's room for for possibilities of both. Um, but I do think it's great to be aware of both. You know, we do have for sure the common thing that people say now, you know, twin flame is a very popular thing to talk about and and I don't know that you know we just assume because flame we assume flames and fire with romance yeah and, you know being twins so I, I do agree with what you're saying that it's not um, it's not always destined to be an easy positive experience or whatever but I think that there's probably some room you know for both uh, both experiences like with uh, we what's that thing that we say like um, some relationships are for a reason a season and or a lifetime or a lifetime mm. yeah and so I when I think of karmic relationships you know those are relationships centered around a lesson regardless of what that relationship is or how long it lasts you know I think the common belief is like Kelly said, those are the least, you know, those are for a reason or a season, right? Could you sign on to have multiple lessons with one person? Absolutely, you know, but I think typically these are things that are a little bit shorter lived, you know, than than most. Um, soulmates being that safe, secure, I agree with what Kelly said, you know, that helping you remember who you are, you know, and we there's that term soul family, right, mm. that gets... Um, used a lot in spiritual terms to soul family. So soul mates, soul families, 
and um, well, soulmates like the the main one that everybody would be probably familiar with i mean one that they've right. heard so many times before i mean we right. grow up hearing about it mm-hmm. you know and then and then you you know it gets you questioning whether the relationship you're in is that you know a soulmate or or you think of your parents like are they soulmates like i I don't yeah. know. And most people would probably say an automatic soulmates with anyone who's in your actual family. I think that's a pretty common idea that you have a contract with the people, with your parents to be your parents. And it maybe doesn't have to be a biological thing, but it's whoever plays those roles in your life. Oh, yeah. But even if so, um, your parents don't necessarily have to be a soulmate either. They could be a karmic person mm-hmm. in your life. Not everybody has to hold on to relationships that aren't serving them. Right. I know that's a very difficult thing for a lot of people to um, kind of understand. Grasp, and, yeah. Yeah, to grasp because... We've been socially conditioned to... Fully accept your family yeah. for regardless of anything right. they put you through. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they were meant to stay in your life. Sometimes right. your spiritual lesson was to let them go, to cut them off. Mm-hmm. And it's perfectly okay. And to add to the um, twin flame thing, since everyone is finding that it's you know romantic and all these things, it's actually more rare than what people think it is. So everyone questioning if it's a twin flame or something like that, the chances of someone being a twin flame is very slim. And the chances of someone even having a twin flame is very slim. I mean, I never even heard the term until, you know, what, like 15 years ago? (laughs) Like before that, I never even knew it was a thing. Like I had to do a lot of research to even find out that it was legitimate you yeah, know, and it, not just some I don't know some phrase that we're attaching to things it does yeah. seem like it came out of nowhere doesn't it yeah. like a soulmate was the thing that you wanted right yeah. out of a relationship and suddenly there's something that we perceived as even greater that you know the twin flame yeah. connection until you actually learn what it is R- right exactly right. yeah there's a lot of misconception out there I mean even in the literature that or the definitions that you would you would find for it. Um, and maybe that's because it's something that's kind of newer that we're seeing come up. It's actually being recognized, so there's not a whole lot of experience that we have, especially in, in publication. Uh, I mean, in, in the, the, the bookstore that I'm frequently at, I, I get frequently asked uh, if we have any publications on Twin Flames. I think we only have one or two books, maybe, really? that even mention it. Wow. Uh, one that even ha- holds a title that is uh, has Twin Flame in it. Uh, you know, so we just don't, we don't have anything. Uh, and it's a, so often requested, you would think that we would get something. But I don't even know of anything out there. No one can give me a recommendation for a publication. Um, so... It is, it is kind of a new phrase, but I don't think the idea is new. No. I think it was Plato or Socrates or somebody, some ancient Greek philosopher sure. who actually coined the term of splitting the two, so, you know, two it, halves of one soul. Yeah, like my, some of the things I've run across are channelers who channel things about Atlantis and saying that that's when the experiments maybe started, mm. that it was an experiment of taking an androgynous being, splitting it into the masculine energy, the feminine energy, 
and as a way to move through ascension faster. I, I like that definition a lot, actually. That, that sounds like a, alchemy. A lot of yeah. sense to yeah. me. Yeah, like there was just that was the idea is you can move through ascension faster if you agree, you know, to have have your androgynous spirit split into a masculine feminine and then yeah. And that yeah, that makes total sense. I mean, cuz we think about ancient uh times and ancient aspects of of religion and spirituality um a lot of the you know god's deities or you know even um angels in the bible are described as uh, androgynous beings of serving no no single gender um so to think of those potential energies then being you know incarnated into a human body you would have to assign a gender role so what do you do? You would have to uh, split that energy, I guess. It only makes sense to experience both um, gender roles. In one lifetime? Yeah, in one lifetime, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, can, I can see why the idea of a twin flame would be um, desirable to some people because who knows you better than you know yourself, right? And the idea of being with yourself to some people is... Oh, yeah, well, I mean, yeah. but to, but to others, other half. Yeah, know, like yeah. I think some people just halves becoming a whole. They want to be seen, you know. And and like I said, who knows you better than you know yourself. And and I feel like, it, from what I know about it, it does seem kind of like um, uh, like you do evolve a little faster if you do mm. have a twin flame and find your twin flame, and you're both kind of on the same page with spiritual development. It does seem to kind of expedite that process, from what I understand. Yeah, I. I mean, in my own experiences, uh, it's it's really hard to define in uh, terms that I can explain, uh, which probably is due to that uh, soul connection, because it's almost like it's almost like speaking telepathically. Um, when you're talking about a subject because it's almost immediately understood there's no kind of extra explanation that needs to happen because you're already kind of on the same wavelength of um i don't know spiritual maturity i i I guess it would be There, there aren't these lessons that have to be explained in abstract you know thoughts or or from different perspectives in order to be understood um so yeah the information exchange is a lot faster um not to say that that you couldn't have that connection with anyone else um i think it's just it, it it's to a point where it's 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 ludicrous you know like just um You, you almost feel like, I don't know, how do you describe to someone else like the, the mm-hmm. thought processes that go on, on in your own mind? Um, and to, so to recognize that aspect in someone else is, is bizarre, you know, because nobody's, you grew up thinking nobody's mind is, is working the same as you. Well, I mean, when you're a kid, you probably think that everybody's mind right. works the same as you, but then you gradually learn that that's not true. Uh, so then to to relearn or to get that feeling again um, later in life is is bizarre. Yeah, I know what you're trying to say. I know yeah. what you're talking about. And I've experienced that with friends, um, moments of that with friends, 
soulmates probably um but it's just moments right it's not all the time which yeah. i un- understand is probably what twin flames deal with all the time yeah just kind of having somebody else in your head that's thinking the exact same way yeah, as you but then they're not there they're not, <laughs> they're, they're not in your head right. like they're right there but they're yeah they're the mirror mirror image it's, yeah it's super weird yeah yeah that's really interesting my my understanding with soulmates is like what kelly said in the beginning that you can have many you can have multiples and like um priscilla said there's the idea of a soul family now i don't consider soulmates and soul family the same thing because the word mate is in there right mate is usually a romantic partner i don't know Mm. that's the way that i see it although i do consider some friends in my life having been soulmates because just my own personal beliefs of what we've done in past lives together i feel like we may have been actual you know partners mates um but my understanding of twin flames is that you can only have one and most people don't have one and that's okay if you don't it's okay if you don't have one i did not know you could have multiple Hmm. soul splits multiple twin flames like kelly mentioned three or four within the same soul yeah i mean that's interesting i mean if you think about uh you know three-dimensional biology you wouldn't expect to see twins let alone triplets or quintuplets you know uh of all being the same so i think the same rules kind of apply um in a spiritual sense uh, you know with your soul as well it's a good point the biological world always reflects the energetic yeah yeah that if you can have an embryo split then why not a soul yeah that's interesting I would love to be a fly on the wall on a twin flame convention. (laughs) 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 Can you imagine? (laughs) Just a bunch of people marrying each other. It would be quiet. Telekinetic, you know. (laughs) (laughs) They'd all be in tune with each other, I suppose, in a perfect world. They're not or, impervious to bickering. <laughs> or they wouldn't get along at all. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, how, how many people want to spend time with themselves, you know, exclusively? Like it's, right. uh, or or maybe they, they misunderstood the relationship and they're not actually twin flames. They, you know, just heard Megan Fox talk about how Machine Gun Kelly's are twin flame. <laughs> <laughs> and thought, I want Which. that for myself. I want a passionate, volatile, toxic relationship because that tells me that's a twin flame relationship. Yeah. That's not, you guys, it's not. <laughs> well, and, and something that else that comes up, like, you know, is it important to know what kind of relationship it is? Or to have an idea or a label at all, probably not no. important, you know, depending. Like, it's going to be what it's going to be, regardless of what you call it, right? Yeah, I think humans have this urgency to car- yeah. compartmentalize and, and label and mm-hmm. designate. and So that we can control and feel safe. Yeah, yeah. it's a safety thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the other side of that is if, you know you think that this is a soulmate or this is a twin flame or something and things go in a different direction later on and you wonder like how could i've been so wrong about that or this reader told us that we were twin flames or you know any of that kind of stuff like just being able to say you know, what's helped me in situations where I felt like I really understood where the energy was going and then everything got upended is, you know, that I am meant, it's not that I was wrong in the moment 
It's not that that, you know, let's say that reader, I, I haven't had that experience, but I know some people do that readers tell people all kinds of stuff. It's that the, the way I was reading the energy in that moment, you know, was exactly the way I was meant to so that I would make choices based on that information. You know, there's definitely been situations that I would have been a hard pass on had I not had some idea that I thought I understood the purpose or the energy of the relationship. And so um, that's been my own way of handling those situations when you're just like asking and you're in it and you're in it and you keep asking and keep getting confirmations from all, all over signs, symbols, you know, and all kinds of shapes and forms. And then when everything, the table gets turned upside down, then you're like, okay, well, I I heard what I needed to hear in the moment to make the choices I'm going to make because otherwise I would have totally bypassed this whole experience, you yeah. know, and tried to be too smart for life. And that doesn't work out for me. If it works for anyone else, please tell me how you do it <laughs> because I'm always trying to be too smart for well, all of this stuff. But we we experience time in a, in a linear way right? right so but we experience love in in a cyclical way yeah. so we experience the the spiritual realm in in you know uh, a non-linear form so it, in order to try to prepare ourselves again we come into fear you know and so we try to have uh, some sort of understanding of the future and uh, nobody, nobody knows the future. Uh, you know, even if you do, you may only know uh, one potential future. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's always changing, right? So, um, I've always, ever since I watched Princess Bride as a child, um, there's there's a moment in there where uh, he says, "Get used to disappointment," and so I've I've always took that to heart I see little Matt yeah. I, could, I always okay. took that <laughs> I always took that to you heart you got it um, let's go face the R-O-U-S's and <laughs> and so so as I got older uh, I learned that that disappoint or disappointment is, is just another word for expectation mm-hmm. and so we 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 assign expectations uh, to everything and you know some are useful and some aren't um, so, and I, and being, uh, especially in a spiritual community, I think you have to be, you get your best experience when you don't have any expectation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, you know, that's gonna, that's gonna bleed over into any relationship as well. Um, if you're not experiencing for the connection that you have now then you're gonna be disappointed or you're gonna have a rude awakening at some point um, and that may be your lesson that you have to learn that may be the reason that you have that relationship and that may be the reason you felt the way that you did at the time that you did and made that decision um, you know and and that's your what you have to learn from it later on um, but yeah, I think um, assigning expectation uh, in relationship roles and, and things in the future, uh, you know, you, you can't control anyone else. Um, we're barely able to control ourselves. Uh, so there's no way that we could actually see the potential timeline outcomes for 
the the relationships that we choose. Yeah, and that was my experience in in one particular you know situation was I was given all I mean every sign and symbol you can get was constantly just following us around and it you know comes down to this one point and this is when I was kind of a a baby in my like spiritual path really like being moving back into re-entering my gifts that I had in childhood as an adult and trusting and learning and being curious about the process right and I continue to be curious which is why I always ask right I know I can't control too much but anything that I can kind of ask or understand the process as I go I find it fascinating but so I was always asking and checking and trying to see what's going on and I was able was gifted all of these you know different potentials like potential timelines potential things like we could choose you know we both would have to choose but we could choose this we could choose just you know, to go our separate ways. We could choose to be friends. We could choose like whatever depth we chose and, and to have an idea. I just had this really weird, like I didn't ask for it, just this weird sense of like how that ascension ladder could be based on what we both chose, Mm -hmm. you know? And, um, this person chose like, yeah, I'm not doing any of this, you know, which is part of the free will process. So, I believe that we still both had our own lessons, our own experiences. We just got to have them with different people or will have them with different people and and, and that our lessons and our contracts kind of shifted and changed because you may be able to see very clearly and have a very clear choice of which path you want to take, but someone else is always going to have the free will on as to what role they're going to play in this life, you know, and it frees you from the contract when they decide to bail as well so don't feel like you know whatever's meant for you will never pass you by i was very obviously meant to be have the experience of being a single mother because i passed on it you know a decade before and it ended up finding me again and of course if i had known that's what i was walking into not in a million years would i have done it right because that wasn't the experience i wanted but i see the beauty and the value and it's been a great great experience i've learned it's been you know especially being a single mother in Sedona is like a catapult right it's just like I've lived 20 years of life in the last like five it feels like mm. and um, how quickly we move through karma in, in Sedona in general so I think that there's as we move through trying to be sovereign connected beings who are taking control of our own energy of our own experiences making our own choices i think it's okay to try to ask and and try to understand and say okay you know what is what is it that could be in this for me you know oh i met this person i feel this really deep connection with them is it a pull you know sometimes i feel like a gut like yank you know towards people that i have some kind of karma to complete with them or sometimes you just have this like oh I just know them you know like Mm -hmm. I just all of a sudden you look at someone and you just feel like you just know everything about them like they've been there your entire life you know so there's different ways to feel that intensity of connection but I think too just asking okay what what could be the purpose of this and just in not in a way to try to bypass necessarily the experience but just to go into it 
with more wisdom than if you were just unconscious to be like, hey, I feel a pull towards you and, you know, you're cute. Let's do this, you know, <laughs> let's see what happens, you know, um, because, again, the whole point of living life is to learn and grow. And if you can be conscious of those lessons, like for me, it allows me to kind of watch to go through the experience as a human and as whatever version of me is needing to be seen or come forward or be healed in the experience. But then also I'm able to watch as the observer above and see the patterns and the dynamics and with that curiosity, try to glean. I feel like that allows me to glean more from the experience um, than if I were just unconsciously going through it, just letting like my angsty teenager or, you know, my abandoned child or like whoever is connecting with this person to let them just have their experience. Hmm. Well, I think there was something that um, you and I were talking about a couple weeks ago about how um, a lot of times relationships are developed based on like whatever part of yourself that still needs healing. Mm -hmm. So like if it's your inner child needing healing, once you heal your inner child, it's a lot of times you tend to feel a disconnect from a relationship because that part of yourself no longer needs whatever that relationship was giving you at that time. And unless that person can shift and evolve with you, unfortunately you become energetically out of alignment and there's no longer a connection between you two because whatever was feeding that relationship is no longer there. And so a lot of times if you have like, say, um, abandonment issues and this person is reflecting whatever it is that your inner child needs from that abandonment issue once you resolve that it's like well the roles change yeah the yeah. roles have changed and so how do you continue to navigate relationships after you have healed certain parts and that's what makes it difficult a lot of times for people who are in a spiritual path dating someone who isn't because a lot of times you're rapidly growing and shifting and your energies are constantly changing, especially when you are doing a lot of shadow work and a lot of inner child healing and things like that, that um, if your partner's not doing that work with you, you go out of sync. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes people who aren't doing the work get left behind because of the fact that they're stuck still in a place that they can't evolve from because they either choose to not move forward or they don't know how or anything like that and it causes a lot of disconnect and a lot of people can stay and still be present and try to hold that space for that person but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's always going to be the case for everybody it's it's yeah it's still up to them to 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 move past that that cycle or whatever they're choosing to stay in rather than move forward um, I, I think we touched on this. I don't know if it was one of the episodes that we uh, recorded, but um, never, uh, never finished uh, about being equally yoked, uh, and and that's uh, something that comes up in in the Bible a lot, uh, and that's to be equally yoked, and that they're from what I understand, they're mostly referring to uh, the spiritual aspects of your own um your own growth and understanding uh and and to choose a partner that is you find to be equally yoked with yourself um and 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 the the term comes from 
uh, the yolk, which would be on, uh, you know, not an egg yolk, but uh, the yolk, which is the the, the physical uh, the device. Around, yeah, the yeah, that yeah, that would be on, you know, to a set of oxen or. Uh, something that would would pull or the the plow or till and um, if they're not equally yoked they don't experience the same the same weight the same burden and um, becomes one-sided and you you can't um, till or plow a field in a straight line Um, makes the work ten times harder or or impossible Um, and so the the, the Bible says to be find find a partner that is equally yoked. So, um, and, and that can translate into different aspects as well. I mean, you, you being goal oriented or um, you know life path um, complementary uh, um, careers or or you know goals and and and. and having children or whatnot but um i think that it mostly comes back to your spiritual understanding um because that's kind of how you interpret the world that you live in and if you have a disconnect there like kelly was saying um those that continue to do their spiritual work uh and have a partner that does not um it's going to create a vast chasm um, in every aspect of your your life and your relationship um, eventually um, because spirituality that's how we again experience the world um, and interpret the world so that's gonna yeah it's gonna change how you see and deal with everything in your life And I think, you know, I'll say that I have one of my best friends. She is, you know, a curandera, like she does psychic readings. I mean, she's an herbal, like she's been on a spiritual path like times a thousand because she's just a go-getter. And her husband of many years, I want to say they're somewhere between 10 and 20 years at this point, um... You know, he's not into any of that at all. He doesn't have a spiritual practice. He doesn't do anything spiritual, but he respects what she's doing. Like he doesn't misunderstand or poo-poo it or, you know, bypass or do whatever, but they don't share that interest, but he's always cheering her on, encouraging her, thinks it's amazing what she does. He just doesn't have that, those same gifts, that same connection. So that spirituality, that's like a spirit. He's, he's very spiritually, um, grounding for her. Uh, he's, Oh God, the word just left. Uh, mature. He's very yeah. spirit. He's spiritually yeah, mature yeah. enough in order to right. handle that relationship. He's yeah. not. Yeah. So he's not. You know. So that's triggered and holding her back yeah. or like doing any of that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's not his thing. Like he doesn't. He doesn't do any. He doesn't have a spiritual practice. You know. But he's a very socially conscious person. Like you know, he has his own thing. And what they really connect on is this really deep soul connection that they have. 
and they can have a hell of a lot of fun together. <laughs> they are always being goofy and laughing and, you know, they have, they've raised two children together. You know, they've had businesses that they've helped support each other in. Like they've really run, they've lived in multiple countries together, you know, with language barriers and all this kind of thing on both sides, back and forth. And, um, and they have a very happy, truly successful marriage, you know, with that. Yeah, but you don't always need, like, your soulmate to be spiritual with you. Well, that's um, where we have to designate spirituality and, and dogmatic, you know, religion. We don't have to get into sharing, you know, the certain aspects of spirituality, but rather our level of cohesion with our relationship with spirituality if that makes sense yeah i think as long as everyone is making space for everyone else and i mean it's not like he doesn't try to learn and grow as a person right it's not like he's trying he's like refusing to do any work of his own necessarily he just doesn't do it just in in the same way Mm -hmm. in the same way yeah yeah so he's got his plenty of you know emotional challenges and and stuff he had a pretty traumatic childhood and he's always you know, working through that in his own time, but they're just able to create that space for each other. And, and I'm going to say this is, I mean, an extremely unique situation in so many ways. They're very unique people. They have a very unique relationship. And, um, I just didn't want everyone to have the idea that it's always true, but I would say probably 90% yeah. of the time it's like definitely, you know, I've, a huge challenge. Yeah. And yeah. I, I've seen that happen too. I, I knew a couple where the husband was very, very deep into his spiritual practice. He would be constantly going on silent retreats, Buddhist Zen retreats, you know, meditating for hours and hours a day, doing mantras, things like that. He was very, very spiritual. And his wife was an orthopedic surgeon who was very analytical, very, she almost came across as a little, little cold, but not, not a cold person. You know, she was nice enough, but just very, very non-spiritual, non-religious, just um, very cerebral. And they made it work for many, many years. I have no idea. I've watched them interact together and I'm not really sure how it works, but you know, I I don't know what goes on behind closed doors. I just always wondered how that worked because for me personally, I think I would want, you know, some sort of cohesion, like Matt was saying, with my partner and their spiritual practice too. Right. Even if you do it differently. What you need. I think each person has, you know, how well you're able to hold space for each other and what kind of support you need. Respect each other. And so yeah, so she has her friends that do this and her friends that do that. You know, she's got all of her different interests and and stuff and she has different friends and different interests and that fills her cup that she doesn't need him to be physically, you know, be doing it with her. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So it can definitely work. So yeah, that, you know. that would mean that they were equally, potentially equally yoked yes, in, in another aspect. They even yeah. kind of have like reverse traditional gender roles. Like she's the breadwinner and, you know, and he really just kills it at more of the, he works, but he's great with the kids. He's the mm-hmm. one that cooks. She does not cook or clean. He loves to cook and clean. Like very unique. Yeah. Same, same but, with the couple that I'm but mentioning. There are, you know, yeah, you know, yeah. Very high achieving, yeah. you know, a woman with a very very compassionate spiritual 
man, you know, and those are just traditional gender roles. Obviously, those don't really mean a whole lot anymore. It seems like they balance each other, but they balance each other out. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah, they're equals. Not to be cliche again, but uh, to bring up another movie quote, but it was (laughs) from from Wedding Crashers. uh, (laughs) Your your soulmate is someone uh, or is your soul's recognition of the counterpoint in another. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. a, it's such a good quote, and I never forgot it. It's so deeply ingrained in me. Um, and yeah, it's a silly movie, but damn, that's a good a good definition. Um, yeah, it's obviously open to a vast interpretation, but mm-hmm. um, it it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, more of that duality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that is a gift to be able to appreciate versus judging the differences that we have. There's Mm -hmm. some uh, cheesy rom-com on Netflix that I watched last weekend, and uh, I can't remember the name of it, but they they kept saying, like, the whole ending of the movie, like, the whole thing they were after at the end, what the aha moment that they all have is, like, you are this, and you are that, and you are that, and yet you are also this, 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 you know, like Mm. even Mm -hmm. with the things that I would find totally different for me and pretty maddening and annoying, like, and yet you do all of these other things, which are absolutely magical, you know? So it's kind of, well, and and those, yeah, those aspects that you don't, um, identify with could be the thing that you need to find, uh, yeah, completion in, Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, there is no one 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 theology fits all, right? just yeah. like anything else. Well, and so when you know when do these people come into our lives, right? It's because we have free will and we have free choice, and we can choose. You know, life is a choose your own adventure kind of a thing, right? So the idea is that I think the commonly held belief, it's my understanding, comes down to it's whatever your energy, whatever you're ready for, whatever lessons are kind of teed up for you in the moment, Mm. then that's, if you guys are both on that same vibrational level, that you're pulling in people that are going to be a match for whatever lesson is teed up for you. And that there could be multiple people, especially when we're talking about karmic stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Multiple people who are lined up as potential experiences for you regardless of whether it's a coworker or a friend or you know a romantic partner that our energy is who draws in and i think too even like fully destined if there's people that you are absolutely destined to meet at some point in time that you know that can keep getting the can can keep getting kicked down the road if hmm. you are both not at the exact right place at the exact right time in your own journeys what are you? What's your take on some of that? Nobody. Okay, I win. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Taking it I mean, in. I guess. Right. I guess. Yeah. Well. Right. I. Sorry. I kind of drifted off. Not that I. I, I wasn't. <laughs> not, not that I wasn't valuing what you were saying, but sure. I, I started thinking about um, how our culture uh, today values marriage and how uh, marriage is experienced through other cultures as well. Um, but not that, but throughout time. And, and there's such a, a high 
uh, standard that we put on it nowadays. And and not to say that there wasn't before, but I, I think we all have this kind of, again, we get into expectation of, of what marriage is supposed to look like. And I think marriage can take so many different roles uh, and fulfill so many different aspects um, in in life. And I don't think that, you know, I, I think we get into this putting, again, compartmentalizing and, and putting it into this box with this expectation of, you know, marriage has to look this a certain way. And then we get into, you know, gender roles and, um, and, um, yeah, I mean, even even our own government gives uh, married people what way better tax breaks than than the individual. But why? Uh, you know, why why is the why is an establishment have any say in uh, uh, the union of two people? So I, I don't know. Uh, so yeah, getting into marriage is a whole another yeah. uh, uh, debacle of spiritual. <laughs> well, there, hurdles that we have to, to to jump through again. There are some spiritual traditions that believe that we do need to be partnered up to become fully hmm. spiritually realized. I know Kabbalah talks about that. Like it's it's better with a partner and even with a family. Like having kids, it is part of your spiritual so development. Yeah. So you get into that. The you know the Holy Trinity again is the the male aspect the female aspect and then the child completes that that trinity you know it's the son of god is mm-hmm. you know the child of god that that is that that trinity so again you get into that that procreation is you know that divinity of of finding uh you know uh, the holy aspects of of living life and, and extending throughout time is is um, I don't know you you find that <laughs> you find that in, in in many different religions but uh, I think <laughs> I, I just saw I just saw an article uh, that popped up. Uh, saying that um you know they were they interviewed all these different couples and and the elderly generation are seeing um you know all these people post on social media uh celebrating their uh you know the married couple that has decided not to have kids and and all the extra things that they're doing and and the older you know generation is saying well yeah, have fun dying alone. You know, oh, <laughs> I, I just think I don't know. I, we're we're totally in a different energetic uh, paradigm now. Uh, that's um, experiencing um, the universe and life itself in a completely different way. And I, you, we can't compare or contrast the the usefulness or w- that one is better than the other. Um, it's just going to be experienced in a different way. Well, I think in the spiritual sense, the idea of being um, in a couple or, you know, which usually traditionally would come up in a marriage situation, maybe the I, the underlying idea behind it is the safety and security of a committed relationship. And that when you both have this commitment, you know, that you have to kind of stick it out in a lot of ways you know it forces you to put more effort more intention more 
you know, whereas if it's somebody that you're dating and you can just leave and do whatever you want, you know, very easily, then people are maybe less likely to forge through the lessons and do the the ugly, you know, icky stuff that we have to experience in life. And it's and, take, taking responsibility. And through the difficulties, yeah. we learn grace, you know, for ourselves and for others, letting somebody see you at your worst and and all this, you know, none of this of which I have done. So I started, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, I, I, you know, that's what I believe the underlying, you know, in my small experience of having a child with someone and that person is essentially in my life forever, even though we haven't been romantic partners, you know, since her creation. Um, it's still something that we have that essence of that committed partnership for the rest of our lives, you know, that we have that commitment to each other that, we need to have the best relationship possible between the two of us. And we both need to make choices that serve our dynamic and our family so that we can have a great experience so that our daughter can have a great experience and we can model for her what it is, what teamwork is, what love is, you know, what care is like. Um, so I would assume it's something close to that. Well, we have such a diverse, I mean, just in the four of us, like I've been in a, a, a committed, you know, essentially monogamistic relationship for 13 years without um, any um, formal uh, understanding of what a marriage would be. Um, but yet we've been together for 13 years and we've lived together for you know almost 12 of those you know so um uh, so then but then we don't have any children so then you have the the child side of it um right. but but again not the marriage side um and then kelly we have the marriage side um again no children um and anna no children, but no, no long-term children. committed long-term relationship. Commi- yeah. yeah, this is interesting. I I don't know. Is that an expression of again of our <laughs> of our generation? It, I think it could be going back to what you said about the elderly population saying no good luck dying alone um first of all that's a a terrible motivation to have children (laughs) (laughs) all right i would agree you are fulfilling (laughs) yes the need to take care of my ass when i get old exactly i have uh, niece and nephews who I am trying to win favor with <laughs> now while they're young so they can care for me when I'm older. Oh yeah that's a terrifying aspect um, <laughs> to think about. But I think that is a lot of motivation for a lot of people you know they do worry about um, being alone at well, the end of life. Legacy. Yeah, I had a legacy. this morning who is like you know yeah he's single no kids you know and getting close to retirement age and yeah what do i what legacy do i have do i buy a park bench was one of the things you know do i do i what you know my work has is that been enough you know a life well lived i think is a good legacy i don't think you have to obviously have children it's just yeah it's just an old i think but that's something that that comes up later in life when you when you start how am i going to be remembered i don't expect right (laughs) the line (laughs) and maybe it's different for women because you know they don't children 
generally don't carry our last name, so it does kind of end with us anyway. I, I think it might be a little bit different for men, and Matt might be able to speak on this. The whole idea of a legacy, I think for women has been more about family. For for men, it's been more about what they've done, what they've accomplished in their life. Yeah, that's that's just what I've heard. I might be totally wrong. I don't know. I think I would be an, an atypical type of uh, individual to ask. But I do come from a, a family who who has had uh, a family name that has been passed down um, for a very long time. I, I have a very ancient um, Scottish um, name uh, that comes from high nobility, and I we can trace my lineage back to um, coming from Scotland to America. So, uh, and in a sense, um, I am going to be a cycle breaker where, um, you know, if uh, my partner and I do end up getting married, she may uh, take my name and I believe that that's the plan. But again, we don't foresee any children in the future. Um, and if you look at the rest of my family, who would have potentially the sons, my, my father had th- two brothers, so the potential there uh, is strong to have that family name passed on. And out of the three brothers, that's not going to happen. So uh, there has to be something karmically connected to this cycle um being of completion uh, in this Represented incarnation, in yeah, too. yeah, and um, so it's it's weird because I do have this um, intense connection to, yeah, my my genetic name. You know, I I identify uh, greatly with with that um, aspect. But it's all in the past. I don't see it going forward. I don't have that same connection in the future that I do to it in the past. And um, I can't speak for anyone else's experience in that. Um, so, yeah, I'd, legacy, I don't know. It's something that I, I don't identify with at all mm-hmm. yeah that's yeah. interesting yeah. same i i actually have i have two or had two great aunts who got married late in life in their 40s which i am approaching and never had children and i'm like oh that's where i get it from and that was many many decades ago this was a long time ago and this was in the old country as we call it back where i'm from in former yugoslavia and that was scandalous for the time that was you know their family was worried about them are they spinsters are they this are they that you know what's what's going to become of them or are they going to be taken care of for the rest of their lives and um thankfully i haven't gotten much of that from my family because i kind of shut that down early on but i know my grandmother has definitely asked me to give her great grandchildren <laughs> she doesn't care about me getting married she's like just have them with anyone <laughs> 
like no grandpa i think grandparents tend to get to that point of I desperation think she's getting well. up like, there in age they're like just just anybody just get pregnant <laughs> yeah <laughs> she just wants to know hey i did it it's working for my parents so. <laughs> yeah i mean if if it happens it's gonna have to be something like your situation or an immaculate yeah. conception or something I out of my hands i, I know about that yeah well and i think I'm, I'm in a good place i mean it could yeah. totally happen immaculate conception i, I, sure. I could channel that in i believe that wholly for myself Absolutely. i think that's the older generation too again wanting to experience that part of that expectation that they they saw uh you know in their own life and fulfilling that role um and so wanting that uh, aspect of grandchildren um, is a part of life that I think that they have already conditioned themselves for. So they're expecting to see, again, expectation. They're expecting to see this um, part of themselves in this role. Um, and Well, I have to say, it looks like a hell of a lot of fun, too. Like, I think yeah. parenting is more of like it's more karma like karma learning life lessons having a mirror thrown in your face constantly because your kid does everything you do and you're like shit i do that you know like it's, you. it's really hard I'll tell you, what. You, get that, you get that for me <laughs> so, i can't even be mad you're like you're I, so mean i know i'm like damn i did do that yesterday you know but um, whereas watching my parents with my grandpa, you're in a different place in your life. Like you don't have the stresses of life. Even my mom will remind me all the time. She's like, I've got nothing going on. I just float in here hmm. with all these, all this joy and peace and stress-free life, you know, ready to just see what weird stuff's going to come out of her mouth and we're going to roll with it, you know, and have fun and play. And that's what my parents do. My dad comes to visit as well. He just spends the whole time doing a whole week doing whatever it is she wants to do. Like she is totally in charge and he just says, yes, ma'am, and follows her around, you know, and and they both love it. They love being grandparents. And I miss being in I was before I had her, I was an auntie. I had all of my friends had kids and I was, you know, traveling the country. I'd go four or five trips a year to be an auntie to my different friends' children. And that was so fun and easy. Mm. <laughs> so I think too, there's just that like, you know, my parents are more youthful around my daughter. I think that there's, they, she reminds them so much of me at that age. And so it brings back at least fantasies, if not realities of like what it was like, some of those sweet times when I was yeah. that age. Well, and so I, I think, think a lot of times, like yeah, grandparents are kind of reliving what, like, the times of when they could have enjoyed yeah. being a parent with your children is what I find it to be like. All of those times where, you know, they were either too busy working or just too busy being a parent to hard slow to down be present. enough. It's yeah. really hard. Slow down and, enough to yeah. be just present with them and be and a kid with them. Spiritually, you know, you're coming to completion, whereas they're... Uh, in, in the start, you know, and so those two two uh, similar roles are uh, energetically kind of connecting too, um, you know, whereas the, the beginning is usually the end or the end is usually the beginning. So you're kind of syncing up and two opposite extremes of the spectrum um, to experience life from both of those ends. They're kind of similarly unifying themselves and seeing, mirroring each other, uh, in, in a physical way. 
uh, and and life pathway. Uh, as somebody who was raised, you know, dually with um, parents and grandparents, uh, they lived you know, five houses down from me my entire life. Mm-hmm. So I was practically raised by my grandparents, you know, almost as much as I was uh, my actual parents. And um, I remember. <laughs> telling my mom, I think I was a teenager, I, I'm not sure when it happened, um, that I wasn't sure that I wanted to have kids, but I'm open to having grandchildren. <laughs> However that you, works out. You can't get here from there or there from here, but... Um, it does seem easier. <laughs> Just meet somebody with grown kids. Yes. Yeah. And now you're grandpa. <laughs> Yeah, so there's so many different ways. Like spirituality is just a part of life, so it's natural that it's a part of all of our relationships too, you know. So having different kinds of relationships and seeing them in a spiritual way for me is very healing. Like seeing how the roles that we're playing in each other's lives in our ascension, which is just fancy for growth and learning, you know, being able to observe that just is has something even as a kid is just was so fascinating to me you know the the human story so i i like to be aware i like to kind of watch what's going on i like to you know observe what part of me is really interested in this person even if it's just a friend like what part of me thinks you know what do i think that they're going to bring to my life what what is it i can bring to their life i do ask a lot of questions about that and I I kind of watch and see how things play out I find it fascinating I had an idea that came up um, I went on a a road trip and I got to listen to a audiobook the whole way and we kind of brought this up off mic last week as well and it was this woman you know sharing her life story and she was asking like well what kind of different ways a different way of asking what part of me is connecting in with this person right when we're feeling that love and connection for someone what is it in us that needs to be healed you know seeing okay is this a karmic relationship is there can i resolve i've definitely been able to say oh this is this part of me that's connected to this person this wound is what we're going to connect on because we we're going to just be this perfect match for this like old wound i have and I've chosen instead to do the healing on my own for it. And then there was no purpose for having that connection mm. with that person. So they just kind of floated out of my life. That pull wasn't there anymore, yeah. right? But something that she brought up was about connecting with people based on our stages of life, which I had never thought about. Archetypes, sure, but stages of life. So like our girl or boyhood version of ourselves, or are we connecting with our womanhood or our manhood with someone else? And especially at the stage of life we're all in, you know, I'm 41. I think y'all are all late 30s-ish. Yeah, moving yeah. in that mm-hmm. direction anyway. And so... Creeping up on Creeping up on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I've, I've had a lot of time lately. I've been thinking about relationships and what I'm looking for as I'm moving into this phase where I'm able to start, you know, kind of dating and focusing on that. And what kind of relationship do I want? Do I... I don't want the same thing I've had so many times in the past, which is why I had made mm. a conscious decision to quit dating quite a... a 
very long time ago to come like eight years ago I made that decision and then I had a few little things and I got pregnant and then I had six years off after that right <laughs> trying to race again <laughs> figure out how to do this and um so the hiatus wasn't meant to be this long but it has been a long time and she brought up you know what her girlhood was she had a relationship and she realized at the end of that relationship that it was her girlhood even at, in her age she was in her 40s or 50s that was a, in a relationship with this man your girlhood or your boyhood are, are the fantasies that we create mm-hmm. usually around being saved in some way right when we're kids what's the fairy tale you know the knight on the white horse like however that looks for men or for women or or whatever but this idea that all this the way life is going to finally look when you meet that person and all the things that we are all the experiences we're holding off on because we want to wait to do it with that person or Um, The things that we don't buy ourselves because we're going to wait for that person to buy us that, you know, or go on that trip or pay my bills, you know, get my have this career or finally be somebody who's active or I mean, it could literally be anything. Right. The things that we hold on and we wait and we say, oh, that person's going to fix that in my life I really want that but I'm not going to allow myself to have it till that person's here because they're the ones that are going to fix me <laughs> in order to be what I want so and that, I thought, that brings me to, to my my other idea your, my uh, exercise that I frequently do the the polarity um, perspective and uh, if you're going to have that expectation you also need to prepare yourself and expect for what that uh, relationship is going to look like when you no longer have it yes or when it doesn't come yes um, and so to sit with that and see how that feels for a little while yeah yeah and so it, it made me start questioning all these things like oh well, I've kind of been waiting to do things like take a hot air balloon ride right yeah. I really wanted to that's the only thing in the sky I haven't technically done by myself yet <laughs> and so listen I'm going on a damn hot air balloon ride this summer when it warms up because I don't want to be freezing at 4 a.m. and Sedona go kicking over the mountains but also just other ways that I think oh I'll suddenly be happier my life will be better once this person comes along you know I do a lot for myself I've been single most of my life so I am very self-sufficient there's not much saving that I need but it was an interesting idea because then I started looking at fantasies that I have and I recognize like in my 20s a lot of my dating experiences were me seeing these these guys as I wanted to see them because the experience was more fun and convenient for me, right? So I wasn't really that concerned at that point in my life, like who they actually were or what this was going to end up as or, hmm. you know, and I thought, oh, this because I'm just this free and free spirit, independent person. Like, I don't, you know, I don't have to have anything. I don't have a type. I don't have this, whatever. But I would definitely latch on, put my own like filters, of CGI this person into this whole idea that I thought would just be super fun. And then after a few months, you know, that wears off and you see who they really are. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, this isn't going to work at all. This is exciting. I think, I think that's, that's a lot of honeymoon phases. For right. Yeah, but it's also limerence. Mm. Limerence is that hyper infatuation of somebody, yeah. but it's the idea of yeah. what you want them to be, the expectation right. of what you want them to be. And then yeah. once you actually get them, you're like, oh shit, this isn't actually yeah. how I fantasized it in my head. How are you not this like 
romanticized version that I've been dreaming about all this time in my head. And I feel like the guys, I do have like some lucid moments where I feel like they would totally get what's going on. They're like, she's crazy and I'm in for this. Like, I'm going to see where this goes. Because it's really fun when you're just like living in the moment, being impulsive, just enjoying it to every, you know, I'm a very like. It's intoxicating. Sensuous person just in general, like in, in everything, not just sexually, but just, you know. And so when I get into an experience, I experience it to the absolute top mm-hmm. and bottom, the breadth of it, you know. Know. And I can really easily loop people into my realities that I create and take them along for the ride. So I do remember just a few lucid moments in between where I can see where they're like, I don't know where this is going, but I'm just going to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is nuts. I would never do this on my own. And so then in my 30s, I felt like I was more looking at seeing them for who they are and accepting and, and adoring that but also seeing more of like their potential of of who they could also be. You know, if they really got got to see their true selves instead of their filters, their wounds, their versions of themselves that they were seeing, if they could really see that true version of themselves, then they could, you know, skip into some of these potentials like who they could be if they really loved themselves or uh, saw themselves or had more confidence or you know were more empowered so was that so was that you experiencing genuine love for them um, in order to hold space so that they could become that or was that you um, wanting to create them mold them into some version of of what you wanted them to be yeah so i definitely have a savior complex i've had a thing for underdogs since i was in elementary Hmm. school for sure i always picked the little quiet ones in the corner and said and you shall be my boyfriend (laughs) (laughs) I, I i have i remember vividly the letters i'm writing like this is here's the note you're gonna do this this is what being my boyfriend means we're only seven it's fine i'll walk you through this it's okay like i remember so I do feel like in my 30s, I could differentiate the two. Hmm. I think there's definitely some overlap sometimes, but I have never consciously gone into a relationship with someone expecting it to last. I've never done that. I've always felt like there was... Interesting. And this is long before I had any idea what karma was or had any understanding of that in any way, but I always felt like there's something in this for us and let's just see where it goes and take it for what it is and I do feel like that's why I don't have a lot of I don't consider myself even the the extensive looking for it I've done I don't have a lot of relationship baggage most of the stuff I have baggage with is not with individual people I would say it's more like with God where I'm like okay what the hell you know <laughs> like that's usually who I argue with I think that's kind of beautiful like <laughs> I think people because I expect people to be flawed and and whatever but I I haven't had you know I haven't I'm not aware of any time I've been cheated on like I've had a very gentle experience hmm. and I've dated a lot of people because I'm almost 40 and I've been single my whole life really I've only had one or two relationships over a year um and it kind of so, sounds like you did the whole dating and relationship thing better than 90% of the population. <laughs> I mean, so so I didn't go into things expecting anything else but an experience. I was just in it for the experience, you know? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It looks like you were 
searching for the experience yeah. more so than the actual relationship. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that actually sounds kind of fun. It, it's so fun. It was so now, fun. All of us could like approach I, dating. Right? Like, I really? like, Jesus. As but, someone like a serial just, monogamous, but like, let's I just have stop and say that, that I'm the single one here <laughs> with the child out of wedlock. And, like, so, so, you know. Well, there's nothing wrong with who that. Who knows? Who knows what the right To each his own. Is. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm not advocating, but that's kind of yeah so I do feel like I've kind of moved through with a surprisingly lack of baggage for how long I've been I mean I have there's definitely some situations but I don't feel like I'm mad at those people I'm just like god that really sucked you know like Mm -hmm. I really wished and that's maybe one or two are you going to submit this recording to your dating site here (laughs) I, I, I do not have a dating site but you know uh, because that is just a whole other level of filtering out bullshit. I could n- online dating. I've never. I think I've never done it more than three weeks or something like that. And that was twenty years ago. <laughs> well, <laughs> here we go. Out. This podcast is going to uh, reach a well. There you a, go. A broad so audience. Ladies and gentlemen, and having to filter through people because there's people who are good at dating. I'm not good at dating. Like I just am who I am, and hmm. I am like, um, I don't. I uh, don't, I can't imagine having to like go through all the questions and like, oh, how are, I'm not good at casual conversation (laughs) by any stretch. So that's why I won't do online dating. It's too hard. But I, the realization with the girlhood, boyhood, womanhood, manhood thing, which of course she just says girlhood, womanhood, because I think the name of the book was like Pussy Reclaimed. So very, very centered on a specific avenue of human experience. Um, That's a book I would pick up for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> <laughs> no erotica in yeah. this yeah. one, but, but I do want half of her life. I mean, this anyway. So I've always had this I, these ideas in the back of my head, and I've always expressed them, but just not as, it's just sometimes, you know, you hear something for the hundredth time, and you're like, oh, shit that's right you know and so it was she came to this crux where she had to decide do I want to be in a relationship with someone who is feeding you know my girlhood right or do I want to enter into a relationship with someone out of my womanhood and at 41 I'm definitely in my wise woman like moving into that part of my life I feel like a lot of my girlhood stuff mostly like the fantasies the needing to be saved like if anything the hard thing for me is to accept help you know like to it to it I've gotten better with having Aurora's dad I've gotten a little bit better I do let him do some things for me sometimes (laughs) but he knows that when I actually ask for some help for with something like literally just like moving things that I I cannot possibly move by myself it would take like super human sometimes three people to do i'll still try and then i'll ask for help so he honors it he knows when i need it i need it um but yeah i do want to be matched with someone who's not healing my girlhood or not feeding those fantasies of what i've held on to you know a lot of that is like what do i deserve you know if anything in my life everything keeps saying the idea that you deserve things is complete bullshit and that has held me back in so many ways in my life right Mm -hmm. it's not get used to disappointment yes (laughs) it's not it's not what you deserve it's what is meant for you is what my guides will tell me all the time when i'm like why does it look like this why does you know why didn't i have this you know and uh 
why haven't I gotten to experience this or that? You know, why did things happen this way? And it's like, it's not about what you deserve. Like you could be the best person in the whole world. And that's true. I have friends who are like angels walking on this earth and they have the toughest lives, like the most shittiest, shitty, shit, shit, painful stuff happens to them. And it's mind boggling, you know, and it's horrible to watch. And you're like, why they do such. And so throwing that idea out the window, I think it's kind of a new, new yeah, thing that I like we're all that. doing. It's a lot gentler way to, mm-hmm. of looking at things. It's, yeah. it's what's meant for you. Yeah, it's not your fault. Mm-hmm. It's not your fault that bad things happen. And we say that to people, but we mm-hmm. don't really believe it for ourselves a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I want to meet someone in my womanhood. I want someone who can satisfy the woman in me, not the girl in me. Mm-hmm. I don't need pretty things. I don't want to, you know, ride around in a convertible like a Barbie doll. Like, you know, I want, I want to be, you know, someone who can meet and satisfy those really deep core needs and um, desires and passions that I have. Well, and I think it, it comes down to ultimately just presence, presence yeah. with a partner. Um I think a lot of people who are craving like true intimacy and true connection with other people is ultimately the presence of a partner because so many people are so self-absorbed and a lot of times when we go into relationships it's what can I get out of this and it's not necessarily a partnership at that point it's really just a give and take between two people of what can I get out of this? What can I give you out of this? Because I like to give you things and I like to do nice things and stuff like that. But how truly present are you in each other's lives to where you do feel heard, you do feel seen, you do feel that intimate connection with one another? Because that's usually where sometimes good relationships start failing is the fact that um, one person can't take you know, that step to be present in their partner's life or you both can't. You both cannot show up for one another in a way that you need to be shown up for. And so presence is a very important role when it comes to that. So even just mentioning your best friend on her partner, and even though he's not spiritual, he still has that level of presence with her to where he can keep going and evolving and shifting with her. Mm -hmm. And you don't necessarily need a spiritual relationship with someone else who is also spiritual as long as you're both in it together and both growing and evolving i come from a family where you know my aunt and uncle they met when they were teenagers and they're still married and my brother and his wife they met when um, me and my sister-in-law are the same age they met when we were 12 and um like we were in the same church group together and he was like i'm gonna marry her someday and i'm like yeah okay (laughs) and no he did (laughs) and they've been married for years i think they got married in my early 20s and so i've seen them go through their ups and downs and sometimes i'm like how is she even married to my brother (laughs) like (laughs) but she still sticks with it but i find that it's because they're always evolving and growing with each other and they're always helping each other through certain things and being present with it and there was something that i was watching on unfortunately tiktok um about a lady that was talking about like different levels of um relationships where there's like the level of love the level of care and um the level of 
how do you pronounce that? She said cathexis, cathexis, which none of us had heard. Yeah. Yeah. And they were saying that cathexis has to do with like that honeymoon phase. It's the mental energy. It's that emotional charge, that passion you have between each other. And a lot of times that's usually what relationships are being developed off of. It's that initial high of someone's into me and oh, we're so passionate. This is great. And it's, you know, riding that high with each other. Um, and we often confuse that part of ourselves as it being love because it's passionate and it's that fire energy between each other. Is it possible she meant catharsis? No. Okay. No, <laughs> no she said cathexis. And it's, um, you know, it's the way she described it too is like that emotional investment that you have in someone else. Like I couldn't, I don't know how I would live without you. But the whole idea is you're starting that sentence saying, I don't know how I could live without, without you. you. That it's about the person feeling mm. that feeling, not the person it's supposed to be projected on. Yeah, yeah and she talks about care where um, it's basically like taking care of that person's needs and um, that people often take confusion to like care and love as well because you can care about someone and love them in that way but it's not necessarily romantic love and it goes into just the whole concept of what truly is love and I won't sing it again because I was singing it before um, <laughs> what <on>. is love? <laughs> yes. we want to hear it <laughs> um, and so they say that it's like the will to accept extend oneself and nurture someone's spiritual growth um, and it's about expansion and holding that space with someone but I think also it has to do with presence and being able to be present with someone in a way that they need that presence hmm. yeah because she explained it as you know that it's an investigation you know when you care for someone you're just meeting stated obvious needs whereas when you love someone, you're curious about their inner world. You're curious about what, who they are and, and what they're thinking about, what they're feeling about, what, you know, their spiritual growth and expansion, whatever that is. And it's so not the eye. It's an act of yeah. investigation out of, out of a, a curiosity. You know, you have to really love somebody to be curious about them and to want to invest yourself in them that way. So this... Cathexis? Yeah, this is... It's such a word that I've never heard before. So she said it's based off of the work of Bell Hooks. Um, and she has a book, Bell Hooks is, is, has a book called All About Love. And that's where she was getting some of these concepts from. So Sounds like a word that we need to know that we don't know. Yeah, we should have looked it up before we I started. did. Okay. No, no, I, I'm saying we no, as a collective. No, I am saying that logically that would have been the logical I can read the do. definition. Oh, okay, so right. cathex cathexis comes from psychoanalysis. And the definition is the concentration of mental energy on one particular person, idea, or object, especially to an unhealthy degree. So it makes sense, yeah, that... Um, so concentrate. I think limerence yeah. is is the same yeah, thing. Yeah, that's another word. When it when it comes hmm. to love, here I'll look up limerence. <laughs> yeah, I think I don't know. Limerence. Limerence is a state of infatuation or there obsession with another person that involves an all-consuming passion and intrusive thoughts. I think that fits kind of what she was talking about <laughs> a little bit better. Um, 
uh, as yeah. yeah as far as the emotional side of it goes uh, cathexis sounds like it's very cerebral it sounds more broad too yeah. it's not just person it could be an object right. or you know whatever thing idea well and if you think of you know cultural norms over time right like a lot of times when i have clients that are coming in especially clients that have much older parents um you know their idea of love was care it was uh, you have a roof you have food you know you went to school maybe you got to go to the dentist whatever like that was definitely like my I have I have semi you know my parents had me in their mid-30s their parents had them in their 40s so my grandparents were you know born in 1910 1914 like that time so their idea of love to my parents, you know, was very much like, yeah, we starved to death as kids in the Great Depression. What is going, you know, what's going it's on? It's filling, filling a role. So that's yeah. where the cathexis comes in so as far as, com- yeah. yeah. So that's what care the is. Separation and then cathexis of is the romanticism of the Victorian era, right. you know, like, oh, we're going to do all these things. So, so I think that that is also part of us moving into this new definition of love like it is you know this leap it's and what she said was will to extend oneself you know is what love is it's extending yourself by asking those questions having that curiosity doing that probe of getting to actually know somebody else so yeah it's eliminating the self-sacrifice uh, it's it's um, investing in someone's development um, out of genuine um, satisfaction of that alone, not right. necessarily self-sacrificing your yourself um, right. at, to fill a need in order to get that person there. What's been coming, channeling in for me during a lot of my sessions is, you know, when I have certain crystal bowls that want to be played on people, there's always a a channeling that comes through, you know, through the bowls saying this is the story that they're wanting to impart on this person, this wisdom, what their energy is helping them with. And it shifts over time. It's really fascinating. In the last like week or two, um, several of the bowls that I have that are the note of A have really been coming forward for people. One of them, the emerald bowl, which emeralds hold the energy of spiritual love is what they'll call That's it. That's the heart chakra. Yeah. 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 And so it's the note of A. And then the other bowl I have is the abalone shell bowl, which is the note of A. And it's very much, you know, oceans, emotions, divine Again, yeah, feminine, love, yeah. like, huh. you know, all of that holding space that we do. And so usually we'll say, okay, you know, the note of A and the Vedic scale is the third eye, you know, it's divine sight, right? The, and it's shifted to, to have this other layer to where it's like divine sight isn't so much about psychic gifts like we commonly think. Like the real gift of divine sight is rising us up out of our own perspective to the divine perspective Hmm. so we can see things the way god spirit whatever you know but out of our own like filter of things so the abalone shell bowl and it's about a lot of times when we have emotion we feel like we're drowning in emotion i think that's why oceans and emotions you know are have a correlation and a lot of symbology a lot of um 
spiritual work, psychological work and stuff too. And so being able to, to be pulled out of that filter of our emotions and being able to see things from the divine perspective. The divine perspective is always going to be a place of neutrality is, is how she's been expressing and channeling this through me. It's the meta in metaphysical. It's the neutrality. And so it's how often do we want to be seen not in relation to someone else? We want people to see us for who we are, for our, for our divinity, right? Because we are all divine beings, which divinity isn't per- isn't perfection. It just is what it is, right? Being able to be held in that space, not being seen through the filter of what I do for someone else, um, how they feel about me and what I do, you know, for what I accomplish in the world, like to just be able to be who I am and what I am and to just be held and honored and, and respected in that space. And that that's what that will kind of helps people do, like even experiences in our life, right? To be pulled out of that filter that that emotion creates and to just see it for what it is. You know, I'll say the sky is blue, the Sedona rocks are red. This is what happened. This is how it made me feel. This is what I can glean from it. And this is where my life is going to go now. Like kind of a way of finding that neutrality, no longer being triggered, not having an emotion it's uncontrollable it's divine feminine it's harnessing the power of, of emotion hmm. and being able to move forward in a stronger way N- not to say that you don't have to do the work in a relationship right. but rather um finding the greater perspective in that action so yes. um it's again we come back to our response to um, whatever we're responding to, <laughs> how we respond is, yeah. Yeah. So if you can see it from the human person, I mean, we're here to be humans, right? We're not gas on Venus. We're not dust on Mars. We're humans. Speak having, for yourself. Having a human oh. experience. <laughs> and so, you know, being allowed to be that human and, and be in that emotion and then, being able to also at some point lift yourself up to see the other perspective it's not that you have to constantly live in neutrality at all that's definitely not the way to heal and grow because you're supposed to be human we're we're noted in the galactic communities right for having emotion that's a very human thing and so being able to go through that emotion but also be pulled out of it so that you can see things for what they are and not what they are in relation to you can be a very healing hmm. and and to be able to you know be truly respected and respect someone else and their own sovereignty instead of their connection to you their relationship to you how they serve or treat you that's like um oh i lost it <laughs> I had to do with love, uh, the the difference between love and empathy. Mm, like, uh, yeah. The empathy is kind it's of identifying feeling. Uh, the feeling uh, from someone else within yourself. But right. love is finding that experience without the eye. Yeah, it's, it's like, a, you know, my understanding of 
Tibetan Buddhism and acceptance, right? Yeah. It's accepting something that's the violet flame for Buddha and Christ, you know, that love, like it was all compassionate. You can have compassion without mm, empathy. There you go. Compassion. compassion is an empathy. Yeah. Compassion is having that loving acceptance for someone regardless of you know you understanding and that's respect too is doing what someone else needs or wants regardless of whether you agree or understand it compassion <laughs> that's what i tell that's my four-year-old all the time <laughs> you will respect me <laughs> she's and like yeah mom she does yeah she does she does not not one not one iota she has informed me that you know i tell her well honey not everybody knows there's no one person on earth that knows everything she says no mommy god made me special to know everything (laughs) (laughs) she literally like every couple weeks will come up with that response and i'm like okay you created this (laughs) god made me special to know everything i was like see this is what happens when you send your kids to a christian preschool because it's the Mm. only option but does she have Leo in her chart? <laughs> I don't know. She does. She's a Libra. Okay. Well, well, yeah. But I can't remember all of her other stiff. But yeah, so she's a very confident child. Yeah. Well, it's good to have that confidence. It is. Libras, yeah, usually yeah. good com- confident. Yeah. That'll allow them to in, have in that trial yeah. and error. Yes. Yeah. I remember my. Well, this is totally off topic. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, confidence is a good thing. My, I have a nephew that shares that same level of confidence, and he's a teenager now, so it's hilarious. We were watching like a w- World Series game, and the pitcher was a left-handed pitcher, and he's a left-handed pitcher as well. And this was probably five or six years ago, but he was watching that pitcher throw, and she, he's like, oh, that's what I look like when I'm pitching. You know, just like, sure, kid. You know, <laughs> sure, sure. Sure, you do. It's exactly you do it just like him. Yeah. That's cute. Yeah. Correlation isn't causation. Uh, (laughs) Well, well, yeah, we're an hour and a half in. We can probably wrap up any final thoughts. Any. We uh, we tackled a lot. We did always. Um, I think we should note that none of this was relationship advice. Yeah, we are in no position. Yeah. We are not experts in Don't any of these to topics. For relationship Don't advice. at us. <laughs> we'll just put Kelly or I will happily put you into a sacred journey and you can get your Find answers that way. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> or we can refer you to get a reading from someone who is more experienced in yes. and um, giving that sort of relationship or life uh, path advice um, yeah we can direct you to someone that can facilitate that as well but just always be wary of anyone that does that because I know there's so many relationship gurus in town and they're usually divorced within the year so just be careful yeah usually the people that are like oh I have all the answers on relationships are usually not the ones no, that have the answers not. On no I don't I don't mean that I mean going to see a good intuitive uh, psychic who has a solid foundation in navigating those energies not necessarily someone who procl- is procl- proclaiming <laughs> themselves to be yeah, yeah a certain relationship guru or whatnot. We're all just trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and um, we'll see you again next week.
Bye. Bye. Peace. Bye. All of the information shared on this podcast is for educational purposes only, based on personal experience. It is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any form of mental or physical illness. Please consult a medical professional before using any advice given during this podcast. Thank you, and blessed be.